Hey, this is Stacey Gotsoulias. D.C. Lundberg. Ryan Finkelstein. Taylor Blake Ward. Host of Locked on Yankees. Locked on Mariners. Locked on Mets. Locked on Angels. And you're listening to Locked on Braves. Locked on Braves. Locked on Braves. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network. Hey, and welcome back to Locked On Braves, part of Locked On Sports Atlanta, where we are covering your favorite Atlanta sports teams each and every day. I am your host, Jake Amastriani. You can follow me on Twitter at shortstopball. Check out my bio there to see where I am covering the game of baseball, including the Atlanta Braves in written form over at tomahawktake.com. Also, you can follow the podcast on Twitter at lockdown underscore Braves, where you can send in all your great questions to be featured on an episode just like this today also make sure that you are subscribed on youtube and make sure that you are commenting down there in the comment section i try to get back to every single one of those and appreciate all the comments and all the great conversations surrounding your atlanta braves also make sure you subscribe to the lockdown braves podcast wherever you get your podcast and thanks for making lockdown braves your first listen each and every day we post episodes daily five days a week monday through friday and are free and available on all platforms this is a mailbag edition of the podcast had two off days this week so i've told you during the season whenever off days are coming up like to do some of these mailbag episodes so got a lot of great questions to get to today more questions about Dansby Swanson and his future also talked about the catcher position now with Manny Pena out what are the options there we'll talk lineup construction we'll talk about openers a wide range of questions today on this podcast so let's just dive right into it first question comes from Chris Schaff. He says, what do you think the Braves will end up doing with Vaughn Grissom in the future? Would it depend if the Braves sign Swanson to a multi-year deal or not? And then I'm going to couple this with another question from Anthony Williams, who says, assuming Dansby decides to test free agent Waters, what does his value look like? And who is the most logical replacement for the expected 2022 offseason options for the Braves? So, uh, Talking about Von Grissom first, I think a lot of what happens at the shortstop position depends on whether or not the Braves think he can stick at shortstop defensively. You look at what Dansby is doing right now defensively and the fact he's been hitting much better over the past couple of weeks. I mean, as far as F4 goes, he's right there among the leaders for the Atlanta Braves so far this season. So I know he got off to a cold start. He's been much better lately. He even got moved up to the leadoff spot the other day with Acuna out. So, again, a lot depends on what Dansby does the rest of this year, but a lot also depends on whether or not the Braves think Von Grissom can stick at shortstop. And that's still a question out there, and I just honestly haven't gotten to see enough tape of him at the minor league level to give you my opinion on it. Maybe some of you out there have seen him more frequently. I just think to give feel of somebody defensively you have to watch several games you can't just watch a highlight clip here or there you got to know their instincts their reactions the arm when they catch a ball deep in the hole you know that's something it won't take you many many times to see but I do know that is the question on him is whether or not he can stick at shortstop if he can there aren't many questions about the bat for Vaughn Grissom we still need to see it at the double a level I think that's always the biggest jump for a prospect, but the bat to ball skills seem to be there. Right now he's slashing two, uh, 286 with a 390 on base percentage at high A, not slugging 
for a high percentage, has two home runs, but has five stolen bases. He's walked 12 times and struck out just 16 times. So again, would actually be a nice breath of fresh air to the Braves lineup, a lineup that is mostly dependent on home runs and strikeouts and not a lot of walks. It would be nice to have somebody in there who can put the ball in play and draw a walk and give you a little bit of power. You know, I don't see Von Grissom, and I did my profile on him in the offseason. I don't necessarily see him being an all-star caliber shortstop, but neither is, is Dansby Swanson. But I could see him hitting 270, 280, you know, the 330, 340 on-base percentage and 15 to 20 home runs. Honestly, what I thought Dansby Swanson would be and could be, I just don't know defensively. And what do the Braves value there most? Is it Are they fine having, you know, somebody who is – great defensively as Dansby Swanson has been this year and and at times over the last several years or do they want somebody that's more of a a well-rounded player um, that can maybe not do everything as great defensively as Dansby maybe somebody that's a little bit more consistent hitter at the plate so I think it's I actually think it's a good option for the Braves to be in The, the thing with Grissom is if he doesn't stick at shortstop and if he's not the replacement there I don't know where you put him in the future because third base looks like it's going to be locked up for a while. Second base is obviously locked up as well. So I don't know what you do with Von Grissom if he's not the shortstop. You know, Maybe you potentially look at moving him to an outfield, but I don't know if he really has the power to be a prototypical corner outfielder, and I definitely don't see him making that transition to center, but maybe, perhaps he could. So I don't know what they do with Von Grissom. I think at that point maybe you have to consider – using him in a trade package but again now now moving on a little bit to Anthony's question I think Dansby a lot depends on what Dansby does the rest of this season and again right now he's looking great defensively and I think you'll take that if everybody else in the lineup is hitting the way they should I think people have been more down on him just the fact that he did get off to a really cold start and look completely lost at the plate. But it's also the fact that the Braves' offense isn't clicking on all cylinders. And so a lot of people want to point to to Dansby at the start of that because he was so bad. But now he's picked things up lately, and he's playing good defense. So, look, as far as as comparisons for a Dansby contract and what his value is, I always think his value is going to be higher – for other teams than it is for the Braves. And I've been saying for a while, if he wants to stay in Atlanta, I think he'll have to take a hometown discount. But as far as comparisons go, I think Brandon Crawford of the Giants is a pretty solid comparison. Both guys, you know, hit 250, 310, 315 on base percentage. Swanson can give you a little bit more power. Crawford's always been, you know, mostly more around 15 to 20 home runs. I know he had a little bit of a breakout last year. And both give you great defense. Brandon Crawford's been a gold glove winner. You know, Dansby hasn't quite been there. He might get there this year. He keeps going the way that he is. But I think they're both pretty similar players. Brandon Crawford got $15 million a year starting at his age 31 season. Dansby's just 28. So that's why I say if that is the market for Dansby out there and he can get it, then I don't think he comes back to the Atlanta Braves because I don't think the Atlanta Braves are willing to go that high on Dansby Swanson just because the fact that they have other guys they need to pay like Riley, like Freed, um, and they already have you know some big 
big ticket items out there. Ozuna sucking up a lot of the payroll right now. Obviously the Matt Olson contract. So I don't I don't see the Braves going that high on Dansby Swanson. Um, I've been saying for a while now that I feel like around $12 million a year is probably where I feel comfortable and probably where the Braves would feel comfortable over four or five years, I think would make sense for the Atlanta Braves. And if you can get Dansby Swanson on that type of deal, somebody who's going to give you great defense, somebody who you know is a leader in the clubhouse, and somebody that's going to hit 20, 25 home runs in the bottom of your order, I think you can live with that. And I think that's certainly okay. Um, so we'll have to see how that plays out. One thing I don't see happening is I don't see the Braves spending big money on Trey Turner or Xander Bogarts or even if Carlos Correa opts out. You know, those are going to be the big options. For me, it's either you get Dansby on a four or five year deal at around $12 million a year, or you go out and get a stopgap player like a Didi Gregorius or something like that until Von Grissom is hope, hopefully ready, maybe by the second half of 2023 going into 2024. Next question here comes from Brando. He says, can you explain the benefit of an opener? The reasoning I've heard is that utilizing an opener complicates the construction of the opposing team's lineup, but is that worth immediately burning a bullpen arm? Quick follow-up, I'm speaking specifically of the one-inning opener followed by a multi-inning pitcher as the Braves most recently used Chavez and Strider as opposed to something like a bullpen game. Um, And I'm getting this verbatim from the stadium reviews where I looked this up, you know, what is the purpose of an opener? And they wrote the idea was to put their best pitching pitcher or best pitching against their opponent's best batters to start the game. Most hitters perform it better the third time they see a starting pitcher. So the idea was to get past an opponent's top hitters to start a game with little damage. And I, I get your reasoning too, Brando, about, you know, because lineup construction outside of Brian Snicker, who puts the same one out there every day, a lot of teams now will base their starting lineup on the opposing pitcher and the handedness of the starting pitcher. So I I get that benefit to it as well. But I've always thought it's the reasoning that I just read from that Stadium Reviews article is that you put a, a good relief pitcher out there, not necessarily Jesse Chavez, but maybe a Colin McHugh, and you let Colin McHugh go out there and get through the middle of a team's order to start the game and try to, you know, hopefully get a clean first inning. I know it didn't happen for Jesse Chavez. And then you let your multi-inning starter, reliever, whatever you want to call them, come in and get a clean start with either, you know, the lower half of the lineup and kind of ease into the game. And that way, maybe they only face the middle of the order one time and they give you, you know, three, four, maybe five innings. That to me has always been the benefit of an opener. And I get that. And I think that has some, you know, has some, some value to doing that. Obviously the Tampa Bay Rays are a very successful team and they have kind of modernized that strategy. It's just, what's the difference in, you know, letting Spencer Strider start a game, seeing, seeing if he can get through the order two or three times and then bringing in that same reliever in the fourth or fifth inning. Um, so I think it's, it's that versus, just letting a reliever one of your better relievers get through the middle of the order to start a game and then letting your starter kind of ease into things 
I think Spencer Strider stuff's good enough to get through an order two times. We have seen the velocity tick down later into game, so that is a concern. I think right now he is a four at most five inning pitcher. Um, so you're gonna have to get some innings somewhere to kind of bridge that gap. But he's been so good at times over those three or four innings. You know, I think that is very valuable. Something that I'm more in favor of, and I know you're talking more about the one inning opener to start a game. I like the the piggyback idea of really what they did, and I don't think it was intentional, but what they did with Bryce Elder and Spencer Strider, where you let Elder start the game and see how long he can go and then bring Strider in after him and let him go three or four innings. And, you know, you get three or four good innings out of both of those guys, and suddenly you're looking at a, you know, seven, eight inning performance from two guys, and they give you, you know, two earned or less over that that outing, that's really good work. And I think we're going to start seeing that become a trend in today's game as you have pitchers that go out there and that are just max effort. And I know Bryce Elder is not necessarily that type of guy, but Spencer Strider is, you know, who are just going to go out there and give you max effort for as long as they can. Waskari Noah is another good example as well. I've been saying for a while, I think he's somebody that would fit well as either an opener or a piggyback reliever you know maybe you I think Strider and and Enoa's repertoire are is too similar to use them back to back but I could see using Enoa as somebody who who starts the game maybe gets through an inning or two and then you bring in somebody else you know to try to give you the next three or four innings so that's a long-winded way of saying I, I think the opener is more so just for somebody who's maybe not stretched all the way out, somebody you don't want going through the middle of the lineup two or three times to help get them through that first lineup the first time through and then bring them in, like I said, towards the bottom half of the order and kind of ease them into a game. So sorry I got a little long-winded on that one, but that's kind of my explanation of the opener. But I love that question. I love that topic. If y'all want to discuss it more, let me know down in the comments section on YouTube. Take some more questions next. Before we do that, let me tell you about our friends at Built Bar. Imagine dipping your finger into that plastic tub of birthday cake frosting and then opening your eyes and realizing that was only 150 calories and 16 grams of protein. That is what it is like to eat a birthday cake puff from Built. And I just received my birthday cake puffs in the mail. Here's one right here. And I have never had anything like this before. They're available right now and I can't promise you how long they will be there. So make sure you go to built.com and get them today. And if you haven't tried the puffs, I'll let you in on a little secret. They are chocolate covered marshmallow protein bars. Yeah, that's right. Chocolate covered protein bars, delicious flavored marshmallow covered in 100% real chocolate. Make every day your birthday with Built's Birthday Cake Puffs. Built has taken the delicious experience of biting into a fresh slice of birthday cake, enrobed it in 100% white chocolate, and added sprinkles. With 150 calories, 16 grams of protein, and 9 sugars, this limited-time flavor is an amazing option if you are looking for a healthy way to get flavor and variety in your day. Go to Built.com and get Birthday Cake Puffs now. And use the promo code LOCKED15 when you go to Built.com to get 15% off your order. Again, that's LOCKED15 at Built.com for 15% off your order. Continuing our mailbag questions here. The next one comes from VT Murdoch. He asks, Trump, 
Uh, Chadwick Trump has hit well in the minors. Could you discuss the catcher options? Also, Alex Antopoulos will need to trade for a starting pitch, pitcher as he may have overestimated his starting pitching options. Um, I'll start on, on Trump here. For now, it's going to be Travis Darno and William Contreras. They are going to split duties there. You'll probably see Contreras get two starts a week on a full schedule week. Um, I kind of I kind of wish Contreras would get a, a little bit, you know, a few more at bats, but with the catching depth being a little thin now with Manny Pena out for the season, you can't really risk that, and you need Contreras there. And like I said, he, he'll probably get two starts a week uh, to give Travis a, a break. Trump has been great, and he has great insurance. I miss, mentioned this on the podcast the other day when talking about the Manny Pena injury. I'm so glad the Braves got Trump back because he has – big league experience and he is great insurance and he is hitting really well right now at the minor league level seven home runs in his last eight games or something like that you know if anybody else goes down at the catcher position then the Braves will probably have to go out and find another veteran hopefully we don't go through the the merry-go-round like we did last year with all the catchers catchers that they brought in um, Stephen Boat, Kevin Smith uh, some really rough times there at the catcher position. And that really worries me because Travis Darno has had some health issues over his career. Really can't afford for anybody else to get injured at that catcher position. But right now they look okay with Travis Contreras and Trump there uh, to back them up at AAA. As far as the, the starting pitcher goes, starting uh, trading for a starting pitcher, I mean, the Braves are really fine at the top four right now, I believe. You know, Freed, Morton. Um, Anderson and Wright, I think all those four will be fine all season. Um, as long as they stay healthy, I think they'll be a solid part of the rotation. Finding that fifth starter right now is a bit questionable. That's why I kind of would have liked to see Alex go out and get another veteran back to the rotation starter. I mean, I think the Braves have some options. You just need some guys to step up, You know, whether that be T Tucker Davidson, Kyle Muller, maybe Bryce Elder gets another shot. I know his last start at, at Gwinnett was not great. But they really just need somebody to, to step up and take hold of that fifth spot. Luckily, with all these off days, they haven't needed it right now. Or Spencer Strider, as we just talked about, you know, using an, an opener and Spencer Strider in combination to get through that fifth spot in the rotation. Perhaps that's his, his role going forward. So I don't think he needs to do anything right now once we get towards the trade deadline. You know, again, I wouldn't hate the idea of going out and getting another veteran reliever uh, for the back of the rotation, somebody that can give you you know four or five quality innings each time out. Daniel Hodges says the Braves have really stepped their game up the last three series. However, I believe if we are to pass the Mets, we can't just keep winning two out of four or two of three every series. They need to, need to put up a good stretch where they get really hot. Do you see the Braves catching fire soon? So really similar to last year, the Braves just kind of hovered around 500, and then they went on that that great streak of of games, you know, in August, September. There's a stretch of games coming up for the Atlanta Braves where they really have a chance to get hot. They play the Marlins, Phillies, Marlins, Diamondbacks, Rockies, A's, Pirates, um, Nats, and Cubs. That's a 29-game stretch they have coming up after this series with the Brewers. If they play to their potential, and that's really been the issue and the question all year long, but if they play to their potential, I could see them going 19-10 and 10 in that stretch and really making up some ground and getting you know back in the division race. 
and they really kind of have to. I agree with you at this point. They they can't just keep splitting, you know, these even numbered series and even winning series. They need to definitely start doing that, but they got to sweep some series every now and then as well uh, to kind of get back in the division race. So they go 19 and 10 in that 29 game stretch that that's coming up. I feel like you know that would go a long way towards them getting back in the division race, but. They had a very easy schedule to start the year as well, playing the Reds, Nats, Marlins, Cubs, and Rangers, and they went 7-9 and nine in those games and didn't take advantage. So it all just comes down to them playing good baseball more consistently, and we just haven't seen them do that. They're capable. They're capable of beating anyone. They're capable of being the best team in the league. They're capable of winning a World Series. I truly believe that. They just have to start playing consistent consistently good baseball more often and we just haven't seen it we'll see them play one good game and then they'll fall back the next two games so um, it's all just up to them and whether or not they're going to break out play consistently but they do have a, a good stretch of the schedule coming up that affords them that opportunity if they can stay locked in again play good baseball I could see them going on a hot streak like that all right, last question here comes from E. Gold. He says, is there, anything, is there anything to my memory that sometimes Ozzy's bat looks slow because he uses a bigger bat than most players? Acuna uses one of the lightest bats in MLB. I've wondered what would happen if Ozzy tried swinging a lighter, smaller bat, especially with how he holds it. So this bat right here, this is actually an Ozzy Albies bat from his days in the minor league. Somebody had a friend who, who played in that league that gave that bat to me. Um, and I'm sure his bat's probably a little bit different now, but that one there is not very heavy. And it's a 31 inch. I think he worked, he uses more of a 32, 33. Now I, there's nothing to me that I see with the bat that, that's slowing his swing down. If anything, I think his swing is too fast. Sometimes I think his biggest problem right now is that he's rolling over a lot of pitches and hitting them, you know, pulling them into the shift at second base when he's batting left-handed. Um, it's all just about comfortability and you know when you grab a bat you know does this feel like does this feel like a good grip in your hands I know that's oversimplifying it but you know for somebody who swung a bat a lot in his life a lot just you feel comfortable with this bat um, and so you know that all just comes down to comfortability for him I don't think the bat's too slow I haven't really necessarily seen anything like that as far as what's causing his problems and the problem's not that he's not making contact he's making plenty of contact he's just not making enough hard contact and that's the biggest problem for Ozzy Albies right now Mark Bowman sent out a tweet on Friday that showed the largest drop in hard hit rate from 21 to 22 and Ozzy Albies was sixth on that list last year he had a hard hit percentage of 37.2 percent which was above his average that was definitely the best of his career but it's shot all the way down to 22.6 percent this year and his average exit velocity is the same as his career, but he's not getting enough hard hit balls. 95 miles per hour or harder is what is considered a hard hit ball. So, again, to me, from the left side, he's just in a really bad habit of rolling over balls to second base, what we saw for years with Jason Hayward. So it was great and very encouraging his last at bat on Wednesday in that ninth inning where he just sprayed a ball into left field for a nice easy hit I'd like to see him take that approach a little bit more but you want him to hit 20 30 home runs then you got to deal with him kind of rolling over those balls he's just 
he's not getting under them right now and not hitting them hard. But that's where his power from the left side comes from when he's getting that lift on the baseball. But it'd be nice to see him kind of change up that approach every now and then and just spray the ball the other way like he did on Wednesday. And then another question from uh, E. Goldie says, uh, what would your ideal lineup be against right-handed pitchers and against left-handed pitchers? So I think lineup construction's a, a very great uh, conversation, debate. So let me know your lineups in the comments section. Versus right-handed pitchers, really versus right and left, my top four remains the same right now. I go Acuna, Olsen, Riley, and Travis, uh, or in, and Travis Darno. Those are my top four. Righty or lefty out there, that's what I'm going with. After Travis Darno against right-handed pitchers, I'm going to go with Travis Demerit. Again, I just think he's been making consistently hard contact. Yes, he comes with the strikeouts as well, but I'm going to ride that hot hand while he is swinging a good bat. Then I'm going to go Marcel Ozuna. Dansby Swanson, I'm going to move him up because he's been hitting the ball well here recently. Then I'm going Adam Duvall and Ozzy Albies, who I just think have been really bad in the middle of the lineup. And I like the idea of putting Albies in the nine spot ahead of Acuna. I think it really kind of helped get Dansby Swanson going. Maybe it can do the same for Ronald or for Ozzy Albies as well. You stick him in that nine spot. Look, he's not hitting well right now. And, you know, I don't care about hurt feelings. I care about putting the best lineup out there. And I think having Albies there, I know he's not a great get on, you know, getting great at getting on base, taking walks, but. You put him there, maybe he sees some better pitches, starts making some harder contact, getting on base in front of Acuna. So I kind of like the idea of putting Ozzy ninth until he gets going again, and then you can move him back up in that fifth or sixth spot. Against left-handed pitchers, again, Acuna, Olsen, Riley, Travis Darno. Then I'd go Ozzy. You know, he's notoriously been better against left-handed pitchers, so I'd put him back up there in that, in that five spot. Then I'd go Azuna. Then I'd go Demerit. Duvall and Swanson um, so that's how I would I would shake up the lineup versus right-handed left-handed pitchers let me know how you would do it in the comments below all right next I want to preview the series or the Friday night game versus Max Fried and you Darvish before we do that let me tell you about bet online our partners at bet online continue to be the number one source for all your betting needs and sports info find all the latest odds news and sports developments including this year's NBA playoffs Major League Baseball scores, fights, and even next season's NFL futures. That's all the NFL schedule came out the other day. Some people were excited about that. BetOnline is your continued source for all your sport wagering information. From live betting to playoffs, esports, and more, head to the website today. Use your mobile device to learn more about the trends in action. BetOnline, where the game starts. Speaking of starting on Friday night, Hugh Darvish will be starting for the Padres and Max Fried for the Atlanta Braves. Max Fried has two career starts against the San Diego Padres, 16 inning pit, innings pitched, only seven hits and no walks allowed, one, just one on run and 11 strikeouts. Last September, he threw a complete game shutout against the San Diego Padres, so hopefully we see more of the same there. Jorge Alfaro is 3 for 10 against Fried. Manny Machado, just 1 for 7, but that one hit was a home run. Again, I talked about it. On yesterday's podcast, Manny Machado is a Braves killer. you got to try to limit the damage that he can do. As far as Yu Darvish, he has five career starts against the Braves. He's 3-1 with a 3.30 ERA in 30 innings pitched, 24 hits, 8 walks, and 42 
strikeouts. That's 42 strikeouts in 30 innings. And got to do a better job of limiting those strikeouts. Back on April 17th of this year, Yu Darvish went six and two-thirds innings, allowing just one earned run on four hits and no walks with eight strikeouts. Marcelo Zuna's five for 16 with a home run against Darvish, so maybe that will get him going. Albies is three for 15. Swanson just one for 11. And if you were thinking about Orlando Arcia getting back in the lineup after his big Wednesday night, he is 0 for 11 in his career against Yu Darvish. So hopefully Acuna is back in the lineup. If so, it'll probably be at DH. Uh, I was trying to wait and see late in the day if we got some news on Acuna, but as of this recording, I have not heard anything yet on him, but hopefully he will be in the lineup Friday night. That will do it for this episode of Locked On Braves. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at Locked On underscore Braves. You can follow me at Shortstop Ball. Rate, review, and like the podcast wherever you get your podcasts and subscribe to us on YouTube as well. And we will talk to you next time. Hey, this is Stacey Gotsoulias. DC Lundberg. Ryan Finkelstein. Taylor Blake Ward. Host of Locked On Yankees. Locked On Mariners. Locked On Mets. Locked On Angels. And you're listening to Locked On Braves. Locked On Braves. Locked On Braves. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. 